tonight, we're going to uh, study about faith. So, Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Father, I just thank you so much for this this important part of uh, foundation, Lord God, about faith. Just uh, open our ears to hear, Lord God, and open my mouth to speak what you would speak, Lord. And, Father, I thank you and I praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, so I can look around and I can see everybody here has used their faith before. Has used your faith. And so, first time we use our faith is at salvation. Uh, that was before you walked in the room. I didn't see you. I'm sorry. <laughs> Hebrews uh, 11.1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now that's about as easy to understand as anything. Now turn to page 191 in your uh, in your book. About the middle of the page, it has the Moffat translation of that. And probably most people would know what the Moffat translation is, but I look around and I see the gray hair. And I think probably most of us have heard of the Moffat translation. And so it says, now faith means that we are confident of what we hope for, convinced of what we do not see, Many people want to receive something from God and then believe. However, biblical faith is believing first and then receiving the physical manifestation of it. This is the kind of faith that God has. And faith is what you put your trust in or who you put your trust in. And as believers, and we'll we'll get to some of this in the, in the teaching. As believers, our faith ought to be in one one person and one person only, and that's God. I was read, I've been reading a book called The Warrior Soul by a guy named Jerry Borkin, and it was written by two guys, and both of them were one of them was a special forces guy, and one guy was a special ops guy. And uh, one of them became a pastor after he retired. And so what they do is they take and they they talk about the physical warrior soul that you see guys in the military and the spiritual warrior soul because God has placed that within us because we do battle. And everything we do, we do battle. We have to battle to, to have the faith that uh, that, that we need. So he said in his book, life can only be understood backwards, but must be lived going forward with faith in God. Now I know what he's saying because as I've grown older, I have looked backwards um, and I have seen God's hand in my life where at the time that I was, at the time that it was happening, I didn't see that as God's hand. But I can look back and I can see that. And I can understand going forward, we can't live in the past 
we've got to move forward with faith. God is sovereign. He does things different. Sometimes, you know, he'll do things the same, but he does things as he pleases. He's a sovereign God. As I was thinking about, about faith, because God said he has given us all a measure of faith or the measure of faith, whichever translation you're looking, you're looking at. See, faith is like a muscle. The more you use it, the stronger it gets. I was thinking about six or seven months ago, I was going through some physical therapy, and part of it was lifting weights, and I realized how much I had missed lifting weights over the year, how much I enjoyed it. And so I've continued that part of it, and so I'm getting better muscle tone. I'm getting stronger, and that's how your faith is. As you use your faith, as you dare to believe God, and you use that faith, it gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And as we see God is faithful, then the faith gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And so they call Abraham, here's a good example of this. Abraham is the father of faith. <clears throat> and shortly after God appeared <clears throat> to Abraham, him and Sarah took a trip around the Middle East. And so evidently Sarah was a very good-looking woman. And so they got stopped by some people, and he says, tell them you're my sister, because they might kill me if they think, if, if I'm your husband, you know. So to me, that doesn't show a whole lot of faith in God. You know, you're going to lie, <laughs> and you're going to put, put your wife in danger. But then you come to the place where, he is willing to obey God, even to the point of sacrificing the son of promise, Isaac. He was willing to do that. And so, y'all know the story. And he went up to the mountain, and God stopped him as he had the knife up. So he went from this guy who was so fearful to this guy who wasn't afraid of nothing because he knew that this was a child of promise. His faith was in God that this is a child of promise. If, if, if I'm supposed to sacrifice him, then God will raise him. That was the faith that he had. Uh, I was, uh, I was listening to, uh, a pastor uh, on TV, a teacher, preacher. And he used he, this term about truthing in love. I said, truthing isn't even a word, you know? <laughs> and I looked and truthing is a word. It is a word, yeah, truthing. See, we want to be truthing. And so truthing in love. And so truthing in love, he said, means I'm going to tell you all the hard stuff. In love, so that you will know. And so, part of the truthing in love is to say that God has given us a gift of repentance. And we don't use it often enough. And sometimes we use it wrongly. Repentance is a changing of your mind and a changing of your direction. Repentance comes... God 
forgive me. I want to change my mind. I want you to change my mind that I don't want to go in this direction anymore. I want to turn from it. And then whenever you truly repent, the devil will present that to you again, and you're turning from it. I don't want that anymore in my life. You've changed, allowed the Holy Spirit to come and change your mind. Repentance. We're going to talk about repentance from dead works in a little bit. And in the repentance from dead works it's going to talk about, it's going to talk about, you know, we're finishing our foundation, so it's time to move on to the deeper things of God. Uh, repentance from dead work means when we come to the place where our mind is changed and we realize uh, that our faith has been in something other than God. So sometimes, and this is something that God is dealing with me even even now, is sometimes we can step out of the kingdom of God and put our faith in something else other than God. Whether it's your strength, whether it's your relationship with somebody else, whatever it is that 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 you have stepped away and put your faith in, there is a repentance that we need to do. I'm doing this in my life right now. God, I repent. I changed my mind. I'm sorry. I was putting my faith in something other than you. So I want to step back into the kingdom of God where all of the things that God has for us flows freely to us. And so it's only when I step out of the out of the kingdom of God that those gifts don't flow freely. You step into the kingdom of God, you quit seeking God's hand because you're seeing the king's face. You're seeking the face of God. And so, in our faith is in him in the kingdom of God. Dead works is record keeping. You know, dead work means, you know what, I did this good deed. Let me write this down here. All right. God, is that enough? <laughs> no. Trust God and honor God in all your words. His word has got to mean more to you than the words of man. I've got people that I dearly love and that I trust. But I'm going to put my faith in what God says, not what man says. Matthew uh, 7.21 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven, the Lordship of King Jesus. This is the, the, the scripture that no Christian likes, likes to read because later on it says, judgment day and they said well we've done all these things for you he said depart from me because I don't know you works outside the kingdom of God so I asked myself and I'm, 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 I'm telling you about this because I want you to have strong faith I want me to have strong faith so what rules my mind and my heart. 
Is there anything in the world that rules my mind or my heart? Is there something that I watch on TV that keeps me from doing what God wants me to do? Simple deal. Is uh, I was told a story, and this this good story about somebody that I know that there was a, there was a, a girl she knew whose uh, whose dad had developed a fast-growing tumor on his head, and he didn't have insurance. There wasn't a doctor that would see him. The love of mammon. The love of mammon. The love of money. So what rules my heart? What and who do I trust? Again, this is truthing in love. <laughs> Hebrews ten nineteen says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us. Through the veil that is his flesh and having a high priest, that's Jesus, over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart. In full assurance of faith. Full assurance of faith. Only the Holy Spirit can bring us to a place of full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled with an evil from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering wavering, for he who promised is faithful. He who promised is faithful. God is faithful. I was thinking about an example I could use in my life of faith. And so the faith that they're talking about, that we've been talking about, that bleeds before we receive, and we don't have to see see it to believe it, because God has said it. That trumps everything. And so in business, we weren't in the building that we are now. And in the building that we were in, we was busting at the scene. So God, what what do I need to do? God had told me certain things when I went in business. One was not to go in debt, that he would supply what I needed. And there was a lot about three or four blocks away and just sitting there and we found out who owned it and we called and said are you interested in selling that lot and he said yeah I'll meet you there and search such time and so we met him there I looked over the lot and it just about what we needed we felt good about it a friend of mine went with me and we we both prayed over the lot before he got there really felt like this was a lot that God had for him and so I said how much do you want for it? And he gave me a price. I said, okay, that's fair. I'll take it. Well, he called me back the next day, and he said, you know that deal I made? I can't do that. I said, why? My wife said I sold it too cheap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I said, well, I'm sorry. I'm not going to heat any me when I said, sorry, I'm not going to give you that much for it. Uh, but I don't want to break up your marriage, you know. And so he said, well, I'm sorry. I said, okay. So we looked around at other places and we just didn't have a peace. And we were, 
I'm not kidding. We were so crowded in there. And so about six months later, he called me and said, you still willing to buy that lot? He had put a for sale sign on Oh, this. This was before the boom really hit. I said, yeah. He said, will you give me a little bit more? I said, if it will make your wife happy, I'll give you a little bit more. You know, and so we bought the lot and said, man, this is great. This is great. And so, you know, this was one that God wanted us to have, and, and it was great, you know. And so we got a hold of the builder, and he went, and he said, well, I went to the city. They wouldn't give me a permit because there's certain things that need to be done in this lot. And I said, okay. <clears throat> and so it went on and on and on and on and on and on and on. And it's like four months later. I said, we're not making any progress, are we? And he said, <clears throat> No, but i tell you who you need to get in contact with. He told me this lady's name. And this is, this is all God stuff. And so I got a hold of her, and I was able to witness to her about God and, and all this kind of stuff. She said, I really needed to hear that because I have kind of moved away from God a little bit and all that. And her dad had uh, been the guy who surveyed all of downtown Midland back in the day. And so she said, we're going to go up to City Hall. We're going to get this done. And I'm thinking, well, good luck. And so we went up there, and we sat down, and this guy said, well, this is what I want you to do. Bang, 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 all this kind of stuff, just like this, you know. And So after a while, this guy walked by, and he stopped, and he looked. He said, Cindy. That's that girl I was with, that, that woman that brought me up there. He said, Cindy. Yeah. I said, I haven't seen you in forever. He went over and hugged her and said, said uh, so how's your dad? Said, oh, he's good. He's 96 years old, but he's good. He gets around good and all this and just carried on conversation. He said, well, why are you here? Well, this was these guys' boss. <laughs> and he said, they said, well, this, 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 and this. We're trying to get a permit. And he said, well, let me see it. And he looked at him and said, why do you want him to do this? Because he said, no. And so, anyway, long story short, we got it done, and both to the end, the devil fought it. And I believe God most of the time, <laughs> but I'll be honest with you. One time, we was getting to the end. The guy at City Hall said, "Listen, you're not going to be able to get it done because I said well, I'll be down there." And and so I started just to stop. <laughs> said, I'll go down there because you're not going to get nothing done if you go down there with that attitude. And I said, oh, okay. So she went down there and got it done. Thing is, the reason it took so long is it was so frustrating to me. The reason it took so long because about a week before we got the building done, I didn't have, that's going to cost $750,000. I didn't have $750,000. But I was trusting God for it. The guy came in and gave me an order for enough to pay for the building. And so I can look back now. That's part of what we first talked about is, you know, I gained a lot by looking back and seeing what God was doing. That year he was preparing this guy, this guy's heart. To give him the Christian guy, giving him opportunity to do this. And so... That's what faith is. Sometimes 
we walk in faith and we think, gosh, I'm going through all this stuff. This can't be God. No. No. If you're believing God, He's with you in the midst of all of that. It doesn't matter what you're going through. What matters is that God told you to do it. He never did say that it would be easy for you. He said, follow me. Following God's not easy. I'm telling you, you have the world pulling on you from every side. You tell, I was thinking about uh, my brother-in-law that got healed of stage 4 cancer. And so, every time he would go to the doctor's office or to get a chemo, they would say, how you doing? He said, God's healing me. That was his response, was God's healing. That was the key to his healing. That's where his faith was. And so, doctor came to my sister and said, well, he's in denial. I said, no, he's not in denial. He knows what's going on in his body, but he's believing God's going to heal him. Well, the nurses came up to me after his over and said, you know what a miracle this is? It is, but part of it was he spoke faith. He refused to, to speak doubt and death. He chose to speak faith. So, Part of the part of the confession message. Now, confession message has been misused in the past, but the confession message is: I'm not moved by what the world says. I'm moved by what God says. And if we can continue in that, then our faith will grow and grow and grow. Because then you're in the kingdom of God. You haven't stepped out into the kingdom of the world. Okay, that was the free stuff. Now we're going to get into this. Okay, how to have great faith in God and growing in maturity. Hebrews 6, 1, 3 says, Therefore, leaving the discussion of elementary principles of Christ, which is what foundation is, let us go on to perfection, maturity, for laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, we spoke of what dead works was, putting your faith in anything but God, and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptism, of laying on the hands the resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. Paul taught us not to remain on the foundational things of God. They're important, but let them get set in you and you understand the foundational parts of God, and now it's going to be time to move on to maturity. And so, again, God has said, I have placed the measure of faith in each and every one of you. Each one of you that have come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ has exercised that faith whenever you do that. It's got the repentance from dead works. God, I repent from having my trust in anybody other than you. That's the dead works. Faith towards God. 
instruction on the baptism, laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. Page, uh, on page 189, it says, in the, in, right below the, uh, the F on the question one, faith in God is a necessary ingredient for a strong foundation. Without a true understanding of biblical faith, we find it impossible to grow into that spiritual maturity that God desires to see in each of his children. Faith makes the difference between defeat and victory in our Christian life. Without faith, we'll fail. Without faith in God, we'll fail. Faith toward God is the glue that allows us to live and remain upon this foundation that's being set. Hebrews 11, 6 says, but without faith it is impossible to please him. Impossible to please God. God's not going to be happy if you step out and put your trust in something other than him. God's never changing. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That's the deal, isn't it? Diligently seek him. Specifically, faith is a realization that God exists and that he's good. God is good. Faith is a gift from God. Romans 12, 3, I realize how kind God has been to me. We can all say that. I realize how kind God has been to me. I don't deserve what God has given to me. Only through Jesus Christ. And so I tell each of you not to think you are better than you really are. Use good sense and measure yourself by the amount of faith or the measure of faith that God has given you. Much like the parable of the talents God has entrusted us with a specific amount of faith expecting us to grow, increase, and enlarge that amount. Like a muscle, we exercise, isn't it? Isn't it isn't it funny that they use the term exercise your faith? Exercise your faith. Exercise your faith. Page 190. Uh, right above question four it says, what is the source of your thoughts? What are you believing? Are you believing the lies of the devil, the philosophy of this world? Are you believing and putting your trust in what God has promised? The choice is yours. But further down it says, if we do not have faith and do not put our trust in him, it is not God's fault. So, truthing in love. So, Faith isn't, isn't in God if we're having a pity party. Woe is me. Look what's going on to me. What's going on with me. God's got a better life than that for you. How did God tell us to increase the faith? 
Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. You know, and we kind of go over this every time because it's so important to have a relationship with God. To be in the Word. The Scripture, Hebrews, uh, Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And so... You can't have great faith if you are going, the word of God you're going to get is from John on Sunday. You're not going to have great faith, I can tell you. You're going to have to go in ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the word to you and get some kind of reading program, whatever it is, however he directs you, and you read God's word. And he will reveal it to you. And you'll find a God that you never knew. Because this is his word. This is what he has spoken. This is who he is. You find this, the words written in this book. This is a book, but you find the words that are written in this book. And that's God. That's God's heart. Faith is simply believing before seeing, before receiving, has nothing to do with your senses. Isn't that amazing? God's saying, faith in me has nothing to do with your senses. You don't see it, you don't feel it, you just trust. You trust me. By faith, Hebrews eleven three says, by faith we see the world called into existence by God. God said, be there and it was here. That's how he created what we see created by what, uh, by faith we see the world called in existence by God's word. What we see created by what we don't see. What we see created by what we don't see. Faith coupled with a word brings creation. This word. This word. I'm going to give you a recipe. This isn't step one, two, three, though. Jesus' instructions on faith. Jesus gave us a specific recipe for using faith. Mark 11, 20 through 23 says, Now, in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Now, you know which fig tree this is, right? This is a fig tree that Jesus went by wanting a fig, and he didn't have one, and he cursed it. The next day they go by it, and it's dead. Dried up from the roots. From the very, its very existence, it dried up. And Peter remembered that and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. Another strange answer to that. Have faith in God. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. So what he's saying is, release the word. Say it. We've got to say the word. We've got to speak. Speak from our mouth God's word. We can't speak in our mind God's word. We speak in our mouth what God has said. Release the word.
Kind of like I was telling you about my brother-in-law with. He spoke the word. But God said, don't doubt in your heart. Know that God exists and he's good. Believe that what you say is going to happen. Know God is good. Receive it with gladness. Rejoice. So, that's interesting. Because faith tells you you don't see it. You don't sense it. But give thanks for it. Before you get it. Give thanks for it. That's how you receive by faith. Because by faith, you have already received. You might not see the evidence of it. That's faith. By faith, you have already received. So you will give thanks for it before you get it. God's waiting for us to release a word of faith so that he can creatively change our circumstances. So, how about you? I've got some circumstances that I won't change in my life. And so God is waiting, waiting uh, to change those circumstances. Faith says, I have it even though I can't see it. The world says, will tell you that that's crazy. I'm telling you, any of God's stuff, looking in the world, the world will tell you you're crazy. Because they don't understand it. They can't, they can't see it with this, this foolishness to the mind. Okay. Page 190. It says 192. Uh, faith says, I have it even though I can't see it. Change your thinking. Page 192 says, uh, Jesus tells us that we have to believe it before we can receive it. Faith says, I have it even though I can't see it. However, if we sit around in groans, I gripe and complain, waiting until we see the manifestation of the promise we believe, we will never get very far. For faith is the evidence of things not seen. The types of faith, head knowledge faith, says seeing is believing. That's an old, old saying. Heart knowledge faith says, I believe it because God says it's true. It doesn't matter what I say. God says it's true. I'm not moved by what I feel, what I see. I am moved by God's word. Praise God. Jesus also made the following promise concerning faith, John 15, 5. I am the vine. You are the branches. What does that mean? The vine is what's got the root in the soil that brings nourishment to the branches. Well, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Without the vine, a branch can do nothing. He wither and die. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask, what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be disciples. So God says, if my word abides in you, it's getting back to we have got to know our promises. We have got to know what God says. If my words abide in you, ask whatever and it will be done. 
I can promise you that if you will get into the Bible and you will study the Bible, then God's word will abide in you. Ask so that your joy may be full. Praise God. Abraham believed in God's promise against the world's rationality. God said, you're going to have a son. Well, him and Sarah was old. They was older than me. Nineties. They're nineties, you know. <laughs> and so, uh, and Sarah even chuckled about it. He did not consider his circumstances superior to faith in God. There's nowhere that we can be, nothing that is facing us that is superior to God. Stage four cancer is not good. He was confident that God is able to form whatever he had promised. As the years passed, Abraham grew in faith, refusing to partner with unbelief. Sometimes we partner with unbelief. We do. I've got to watch what my mouth says. Because some of the things I say will partner me with unbelief. That's how God created everything. He spoke. What we speak a lot of times partners us with unbelief. That example of Abraham teaches us that faith does not look at the present reality only toward God's promise. First John 5, 9 says, We believe that people what people tell us, but we can trust what God says even more, and God is the one who has spoken about his Son. We all must receive the words and promises of God and believe them. It's been said, unbelief puts our circumstances between us and God. Faith puts God between us and our circumstances. That's a good place to be. I was thinking about a guy that I went to school with, two guys that I went to school with. One was a little bit older than me. And so both of them had arm injuries. And uh, they couldn't use their arm, so their arm's withered. You say a withered arm, it's about that big around. And so they can't use it anymore. And it withered because they can't use it anymore. And so uh, faith is like a muscle. We've got to use it or it will wither with us. Be a doer of the word. Proverbs 4, 20 through 22 says, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. We can't stand in faith on promises that we have not received. If we don't know that God has promised it, how can we stand on on that, because we don't know that you said it. God's word, word is full of promises, but we must set our affections upon his word to receive them. Our, our affections have got to be set on this word. The 
God, this is your word. This is your word. To grow in faith, we must stand firm upon God's uh, word, even in the face of adverse circumstances and contradictory evidence. Importance of what we say. Mark eleven twenty three. If you have faith in God and don't doubt, you can tell this mountain to get up and jump into the sea. And it will. We face mountains all the time. Our faith must be coupled with an outward confession in order to release our faith into our reality. Again, we've got to speak life, not death. The reality of the kingdom of God is released when we boldly confess our inward faith. This is what James was talking about when he said, faith without works is death. Now, I've talked this in... in uh, when I went in, when I went into business, I went kind of kicking and screaming because it's not something I wanted to do, but it's something that God wanted me to do. I had said no about three or four times until somebody that I really respect, that, that really has a relationship with God, said, "You need to do what God's telling you to do." But you know what? If I would have went in and just sat there and said, "God, it's rain down manna from heaven," I would fail. You would fail. Well, God blessed it, but I had to get out and do some work. Faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. So the working part of it is doing what God says. Is doing what God says. So uh, The reality of the kingdom of God is released when we boldly confess hardened with faith. This is what James was talking about. And faith without works is dead. We must put action to our faith, thus releasing heaven's <coughs> heaven's reality here on earth. This is the kingdom of Satan. Adam and Eve gave it to him. And so... Heaven's reality is different than the reality of earth. The reality of this world. Noah didn't wait for rain to fall before building the ark. By building the ark, ark Noah outwardly confessed God's promise and was saved from the flood. Joshua Example of faith, Joshua and his soldiers. Can you imagine when Joshua and Caleb and the bunch that was left, that next generation, entered the promised land, there was warring. They had to war. That's the warrior's soul. They had to war to get God's blessing. And can you imagine? They were, they were facing trained armies. Highly trained armies of the day with guys that didn't know anything about warring. They didn't. But they had faith in God. The Lord said to Joshua, with my help, you and your army will defeat the king of Jericho and his army. And you will capture the town. Here is how to do it. I mean, God laid it out for him. March slowly around Jericho once a day for six days. Take along the sacred chest. And have seven priests walk in front of it carrying trumpets. 
that on the seventh day, march slowly around the town seven times while the priest blows their trumpet. And the priest will blast on their trumpets and everyone else will shout. The wall will fall down and your soldiers can go straight in from every side. And the world would say, yeah, right. That's going to work. Well, God said it, and it did. Just like Noah and Abraham Joshua had to believe the word of God and act upon it. Faith must be active in nature. Faith is all about building, possessing, expanding, and releasing God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Luke 15, 7 through 20 says, One day some Pharisees and experts in the law of Moses sat listening to Jesus teach. They had come from every village in Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. God had given Jesus the power to heal the sick, and some people came carrying a crippled man on a mat. It's a great story. Can you imagine you doing this? They tried to take him inside the house and put him put him in front of Jesus, but because of the crowd, they could not get him get him to Jesus. So they went up on the roof where they removed some tiles and left the mat down in the middle of the room. Today, we would have gone up on the roof with a saw and sawed a hole in the roof to lower, lower this guy down. But they knew. See, their faith was in Jesus. They said, the only thing we need to do is get him to Jesus. That's all we need to do. And that's what faith does. As we get into the Word and we study study, uh, study the Word and God, the Holy Spirit begins to reveal it to us, that's what it does. When Jesus saw how much faith that, uh, they had, he said to the crippled man, My friend, your sins are forgiven. Isn't that amazing? Jesus looked at this man who obviously was a sinner like everybody else and said, My friend, my friend, your sins are forgiven. God looks at your actions as a demonstration of your inward faith, and he is moved by that. So this man got healed because his friend had that kind of faith. If we can just get him to Jesus, then he'll be he'll be healed like the woman with the issue of blood. If I can just if I can just get to Jesus, then I'll be healed. God uses today's circumstances today to build our faith for tomorrow's giants that we face. First Samuel seventeen thirty three is talking about David. And David came to Saul and he said, Your Majesty the Philistine shouldn't turn us into cowards. <laughs> I mean, he has backed down Saul's army, you know, and here comes a boy, and he says, the Philistines shouldn't turn us into cowards. The world shouldn't turn us into cowards. You know, the things of this world should not turn us into cowards. We should be spiritual warriors. That I'll go out and fight him myself. Saul was amazed, I bet. He's like been sitting there and Saul kind of looks at him and he's yeah, right, bud. You don't have a chance against him, Saul replied. You're only a boy. And he's been a soldier all of his life. 
But David told him, Your Majesty, I take care of my father's sheep. And when one of them is dragged off by a lion or a bear, I go after it and beat the wild animal until it lets the sheep go. If the wild animal turns and attacks me, I grab it by the throat and kill it. Sir, I have killed lions and bears that way, and I can kill this worthless Philistine. He should have made fun of the army of the living God. And you know the story. Five smooth stones. Just needed one. God desires for us to walk by faith and not by sight. We can't walk by faith if we walk by what we see. we got to walk in what God has said. God says who we are. He defines us. <clears throat> the world doesn't define us. God defines us. God desires for us to walk by faith and not by sight. He longs to release heaven's authority, power, and provision to, to us. God is simply waiting for us to place our faith in hope and trust in hope and trust in Him. I heard a guy say once that I hope when I get to heaven that God doesn't show me the things I could have had. That I didn't have the faith for. The things that I could have done for him that I didn't have the faith for or I had a love for something of the world where I was in and out of the kingdom of God. Stepping in and out of the kingdom of God. So here's the biblical formula for faith. Seek, listen, and receive the promise from God. The logos in the rhema, the spoken word and the written word of God. Listen to what God has to say for you, say to you. God says, my sheep hear my voice, and you're his sheep. So listen to what God has to say to you. Believe God's word as you would believe the word of the best friend. They had an example in the book about a woman who saw an old friend you read the book for this lesson. He said, I hadn't seen you in a long time and all this. And he said, I, I was, I have needs. He said, well, won't you come up, come over and have supper with me tonight? I'll prepare supper for you. She said, okay, I'll be there. So she went out and shopped and bought all this stuff knowing because her friend told her that she was going to be there, that, that uh, she would be there. And both of these ladies were Christian ladies. And in the midst of this, she went up to the mailbox and got a bill for more money than what she had. And she said, oh, I can't believe this. I don't have the money to pay this. What's going on? Well, she believed her friend. When her friend said that she was going to be there, she went out and bought food to feed her. But she didn't believe that God made provisions for that. And so one of the keys is believe God's word as you would the word of your best friend. At least believe God that far. Don't consider the circumstance that you find yourself in. Because that's not more powerful than God. 
trusting God don't consider the circumstance you're in greater than God's promise. Because it's not. If you do, then you will stay in that circumstance. Because your faith is in that circumstance and not in God. You're treating it like it's more powerful than God is. Thank God for the answer that is on the way. And praise Him. Thank you, God. I praise you, Lord, for your provision. Act on the Word of God. Look and see what the Word of God is saying to you. You know, I think every time somebody spoke, they said, this is the most important one that you're going to learn. <laughs> and it is. Each one of these things we've taught on is, is a, a very important one. And at that time, it was the most important one that we've done. So this is, this is the most important one. This is, this is so important that we get this, that we get this, because without faith, it's impossible to please God. If we don't have, if our faith is in anything but God, then we'll trust in whatever that is more than we're willing to trust God. If we don't know what God's Word says, then we don't know the promise. So I encourage you. This is, this is such an important thing to learn. This is one of the keys to a foundation. It, it's getting to the point where it's time in this teaching to move toward maturity. And I know a lot of y'all are already mature. But I've come across stuff in here that I didn't forget, but I kind of pushed it aside a little bit. I began to realize how important it is. So, so got two more lessons, and we'll be done. And uh, so, Father, I just thank you for this word on faith, Lord God. Father, just keep it in our remembrance, Lord. Keep this in our remembrance, Lord. Just guide us to where we need to be, Holy Spirit. In God's Word, uh, if we need a devotional, send us to the right devotional, the one that we need, Lord, just uh, increase our faith, increase our faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Two, two things real quick. Um, thank you, Greg. Yeah.